0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. If you have a request of God, he already knows what it is. But if you're not praying by faith first, then you have really no right to ask. God, just give me something because I want it. Are you diligently seeking him? He's a rewarder of that. You know, and the reason I say this is because prosperity preaching says you can just ask God for anything you want. He'll he'll just give it to you. The problem is that when people do this and they don't receive what they ask for, then they end up thinking that either God is not real or or that they're not good enough and it leaves them broken and hurt. Then they start disbelieving the Bible because somebody said you can just ask for whatever. No no diligence required, no love and devotion required, no walking in righteousness required. Just ask and poof, there it is. So that, that's what they do. They don't get it. Well, this whole Christianity Christianity thing is a, is a hoax. But the Bible lays it out for us and that there is a prerequisite that we must do before asking, just like Esther did. And like the verse says, by prayer and supplication. Esther did that. She demonstrated it by prayer and supplication Let your requests be made known to God. I don't feel right asking God for anything. By prayer and supplication, you can, because he says so. If you don't pray, start. And if you do pray, double it. I don't want you to end up thinking you're not good enough or that God isn't real. So we just need to do it, the equation that what God says in his word, and that we will do it in the only way that is pleasing to God by faith. And it does work it does work. Esther laid it out. She did the prayer and the supplication first, and she hadn't even made the request yet, but he already knows what she wants, and she has yet to to really voice it out, but she did say, let's have another banquet. But don't be like Haman, who listened to the ungodly advice of his family. Now, I have two verses that explain Haman's problem. Number one, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Some, uh, some verses may say bad company corrupts good character. The company you pick, how they conduct themselves, is going to influence you one way or another. Good company, righteous company is going to work good. Bad company, they're going to corrupt you. And that's why it says don't be deceived. Well, they're my friends. They'll back me up. Will they? You're about to find out what Haman's family's like here in a minute. They told, oh, go build the gallows. You're about to find out what bad company really does. James 4 and 6. Here's, here's like the pivotal verse of the whole story. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You're proud, I'm all it. The whole universe revolves around me. God's going to bring you down. But if you're already down, then God's going to lift you up. Esther and Mordecai are good company for each other. Plus, they are sacrificing themselves. But Haman is corrupted and he's being even more corrupted by the bad company he has in his family while trying to elevate himself. The Lord will resist Haman, but he's going to give favor to Esther and Mordecai. Be careful of the people you choose to hang out with. Are they walking with Christ? If not, show them Christ. But if they won't, be careful. Be careful, right? The Lord's going to resist Haman. And many Christians get themselves in trouble, big trouble, by hanging with the wrong crowd. And so now we're where Haman has gallows made for Mordecai so that he can enjoy Esther's banquet after getting rid of Mordecai. So look at what happens next in Esther 6 and 1. That night the king could not sleep, so one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers, who had sought to lay hands on, on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said... What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. Now, have I ever talked about God's timing before? (laughs) This is our Mordecai found an assassination plot and he reported it and nothing happened. And a lot of time has passed. So, of all that's going on here in the story, suddenly the king can't sleep. And when I read this, I just chuckle like I've been here. It's like, this is God. This is God's timing. Now, I believe the God of Israel caused the king to not be able to sleep. Okay? Trust me, God is orchestrating every bit of this, all of it. So the king can't sleep, and so they read to him from the book of the records of the Chronicles. Now, I got to thinking, maybe the book of the records of the Chronicles was pretty boring. Maybe that'll knock him out. Maybe it's, well, I can't sleep, might as well get some work done. Let's, I I don't know. Whichever way, whatever reason, it was for, either way, apparently Mordecai's service was overlooked by the king's people, but God made certain that Mordecai's service was not forgotten. Of all the king's 12-year rule, of all the records covering 12 years that could have been put into this book... They were guided by God to land to the very page where Mordecai was recorded on what he did for the king. And it strikes the king, we got to do something. God's timing is so good. Now the king is reminded, friends, God's sovereignty is all over this chapter. And so in considering God's timing of this amazing moment here, I got to ask a question. Why did God keep Mordecai's service away from the king's attention? Because it's been all this time. The king didn't know about it. I think God withheld that from being noticed, don't you? To time it like he did? We can't just blame it on somebody's clerical error that they missed it. There has to be a reason in God's timing for why Mordecai waited all this time without being honored for his service. We have to tie this in, this delay. I'm going to tie it in with the fact that Esther has not yet voiced her actual request for saving the Jewish people yet. There's, there's something from Mordecai over here and something from Esther coming here, and they're both about to come together, and they're going to collide at just the exact point that God wants it to happen. But Mordecai had to wait for something good he did. And he's under distress, but he's still waiting. And Esther, too, is waiting. She's waiting to ask, but what are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? He's going to bring both of their their service in at the same time to bring Israel's enemy, Haman, down. That's why. To bring Haman down. God is basically going to give Haman a one-two combination punch. If you watch UFC, you see the guy come up and he goes, ba-boom, like that. Okay, I was watching that last night. And it, it, you, you can't, that dazzles you. And you're going down. <laughs> So Esther's banquet and Mordecai being honored is both going to hit Haman at the same time. And this is why both Esther and Mordecai are waiting in their service, so that God can be glorified while saving the Jews. And I believe Esther has sensed in her spirit not to say anything yet is why she's waiting. I love this next part. The king now realizes that Mordecai is long overdue to be honored. So in Esther 6 and 4, So the king said, Who is in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Okay, guys, if I already haven't made enough of a point of God's timing, look at this. (laughs) It's just, it's too good. The king has just looked for an advisor. What do we do? Who is in the court? And loop-de-loo, look who walks in. Here comes Haman. Haman of all people, Esther 6 and 5. The king's servant said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? <laughs> I'm I, Sorry, I hate to laugh, but I'm just so joyful that God knows how to turn tables like this. But Haman here, this is what you call an igmo. You know what an igmo is? It is an ignorant moron. This is an igmo. He thinks everything's about him. He thinks everything is about him. He has no idea that this is about the guy he just can't stand, Mordecai. Now, if you thought Haman had trouble with Mordecai already, watch this. So Haman shows up on God's timing to be taken down. And Mordecai is the very reason why Haman even showed up. God has a way of working our enemies. Can you just see how God is completely turning the tables? This is all way beyond Esther. It's way beyond Mordecai. And to, quite frankly, it's beyond the king, too. God's working this. And any Israelite in this day, when they read this text, when they were reading the book of Esther, they would have taken great comfort from seeing how the God of Israel fights for his covenant people. And he still works like this today. He's working it just like this in major governments that have missiles and everything. He's working just like this. Just watch it on the news. You'll see it. So Haman thinks the king wants to honor him. So watch this arrogant opportunist just blow wide open now. Watch him. Esther 6 and 7. And Haman answered the king... For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought, which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, and a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And I did not ever rehearse that. Thank you. So Haman laid out his ultimate. (laughs) I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. (laughs) So Haman laid out his ultimate dream of what he wanted the king to do for him. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And he's not going to get it. Esther 6 and 10. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested and do so for Mordecai the Jew. (laughs) Guys, I just, I read that and I just, oh, oh, it's not about you. And guess what? It ain't about me. It's about the Lord. (laughs) Oh read that again. Hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested and do, for, do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor." <laughs> I'm sure it didn't sound nothing like what he said it in front of the king. <laughs> Can you imagine how it must have sounded coming out of Haman? Oh, I, I, th- this is one of those moments in the Bible I wish I could have been there to see. Because really, that, that was me in Haman's place at one time. God brought me down. And it hurt. And you know it hurt Haman, but Haman's unrepentant. That's his problem. So let's look at what goes on for the unrepentant here. Esther 6 and 12, Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house mourning and with his head covered. When Haman told his wife Zerush and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife Zerush said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. These are the people that just said made the gallows. Now they're saying, you're the one going down. You see what it means to pick people that are good people, bad company, corrupts good character. They are not your friends. I'm telling you. If they don't pursue God and his word, if they don't read God's word, if they don't know it, and especially if they're not saved, get away from them. Don't listen to them. The Bible says, don't have company like this. They'll mislead you. It says, don't be deceived. Haman has been seriously deceived. Verse 14, while they were still talking with him. Look, it's not even over yet. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Again, God's timing. God's timing. And God is not playing around. God is moving so fast now. He didn't even allow Haman time to cry about it. And that's exactly what Haman wants to do. He went home like this. Oh, look what they're doing to me. Come on, Haman, let's go. Doesn't get time to whine. The only time that God did allow him was was for Haman to hear from his own family, the ones that said, kill him, kill Mordecai, to say that he's the one that's going to fall. That's the only time God let him have is to hear you're going down. So Haman hears the bad news from his own people, and he's pulled away right away to Esther's banquet. God does not mess around when it comes to his covenant people. It's best to get on the side of blessing them, which is what we try to do in this congregation. Now, we need to observe how Mordecai responded to. It's easy to miss. Verse 12 says that Mordecai went back to the king's gate. He went back to the king's gate. This is where Mordecai had been crying aloud with sackcloth and ashes for the Jewish people. Now, you got to think, Mordecai had just been put on that horse. He had just been exalted and lifted up in front of all the people. And what's the first thing he does when that's over? He goes right back to getting low again. He didn't go, oh, well, I'm, I'm high now, so I'm up here now. He got low again. Verse 12, he went back to the king's gate. He's, he doesn't care who gets the credit. He just wants the job done. He needs to see that the, pe- the Jewish people are saved. He did not let public exaltation distract him from the danger that was at hand. He went back to the king's gate. It's apparent to me that promotion never was Mordecai's priority. Never was. Like it has always been Haman's priority. Matthew twenty three twelve: whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That is Christian living 101 right there. Mordecai had been placing himself low in sackcloth and ashes, but he had just been exalted. Haman had always been seeking exaltation, but he had just been put low. Now, another good point for us to apply, to apply in our own lives is in the fact That when Esther came in before the king, she did not just blurt out her request. Even though she was in great distress, she didn't let her anxiety, she did not let her worry distract her from the job of what needs to be done. She didn't let it overtake her composure. In her spirit, she sensed that she needed to wait before immediately making her case, didn't she? Isaiah 40 and 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Don't get in a hurry. Don't let people push you. Don't let people scare you. Wait upon the Lord. Notice it does not say those who get so overly anxious that they just have to take over. It says those who wait on the Lord. Esther knew this was an impossible situation for any person to change anything about it. So she did the only thing she could do. Wait on the Lord. It's not time to say anything yet. It's not time to blurt it. She waited. Now, when you find yourself in an impossible situation that's out of your control, the absolute worst thing you can ever do is overexert yourself to try to fix it. Chances are your efforts is what got you there in the first place. So just stop. (laughs) Hit the pause button and just wait on the Lord. See what he does. He can do it. If it's already bigger than you are, all you're going to do is wear yourself out. Wait upon the Lord. It was not time for Esther to speak yet, and so she waited. Now, we also need to give credit to Mordecai here for waiting on the Lord. He was under great distress from this decree all the while, for however long this has been, possibly up to five years at this point, he had not been recognized for the service that he had done for the king. He had not been recognized at all. Have you ever done something for somebody? Have you ever done some some deed or great thing and was completely unappreciated for it? Oh, yeah, I know you have. Or you were never given credit or any recognition for what you did. And to have had credit or recognition given right then would have been a big help to you if you had gotten it. You know, that's where Mordecai was at. He, he was in distress. Having this honor earlier could have really helped, but he's, because he's under pressure. But if Mordecai, if Mordecai had been honored right then, way back when he reported the assassination plot, then the timing would have been off for God to execute his one-two punch judgment to take down Haman for the benefit of the Jewish people. If he had been honored right then, God would not have been glorified. Because the timing wouldn't have been right. Withholding Mordecai's honor up until this point is exactly what facilitated Haman's downfall for the salvation of the Jewish people. And had Mordecai been honored earlier, then that would have not coincided with the timing of Esther's banquet to expose Haman. These two had to happen at the same time. The enemy is being brought down, but it came at the expense of patience. You all see that? Patience. The enemy will fall. I know that you work hard in whatever it is that you do in service to Jesus the King. And I know it comes with a lot of weight on your shoulders. And I know it comes with great distress. Sometimes it will drive you to weeping, just like Mordecai did at the King's Gate. And oftentimes, living as a Christian in service to others who hate you feels like a very thankless job, doesn't it? Very thankless. No credit, no recognition, no help, no nothing. And sometimes we wonder, Lord, how long? Lord, how how long? Friend, I want you to know that your day of being raised up is coming. Your day of being raised up is coming. Jesus said, and you can trust this, in John six forty, 40, says, and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Your day is coming. Living the Christian life seems to be a thankless existence, but it is God's will for you to be raised up eventually. The day is coming, but in God's timing, in God's timing. He can't raise you right now, because if he did, then it would not glorify him in the way that he wants his plan to play out. We're seeing that in Esther. Mordecai had to wait. Well, now you got to ask yourself, well, why am I waiting? Why does it feel thankless to me? God must have something really big coming, and it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about others. Promotion should not be your focal point. Well, where's my recognition? Mordecai, after being recognized, he went right back to the king's gate, back into mourning again. That was not his focal point. The thing is, is the job getting done? That's what Mordecai was after. Wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. He knows the service you're doing, and he will not forget you for it. The king was reminded, wasn't he? By reading them in the Chronicles, you'll not be forgotten. Hebrews 6 and 10 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. God remembers it. It's in the records. He knows it's there. King Ahasuerus had Mordecai's deeds on record, and so Mordecai was honored, but he had to wait on God's timing so that it could be done at the right time. And so for us, Lamentations 3 and 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Lord God, we thank you for the story today in Esther 5. Lord, I pray for encouragement for myself and everyone here and everybody that can hear me. Lord, I'm praying for encouragement and for patience and renewed strength. Lord, I can't tell you how many times I felt like I was all out, all out of steam. But Lord, that's because I was running on my steam, not yours. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry. for Life. You'll be set for life. you have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set.